0: All right, I am also recording.
1: All right, we're going to make this happen, man.
0: I think it's already happening, Drew. Oh,
1: I mean, right. we, we have formatted just the best we've ever formatted cards in our lives. So I, do need I to feel pull. like I, I, we're, <laughs> we're starting this with a bang.
0: We are. I need, to, I need to pull up my notes, though. There we go. All right, now I'm ready.
1: I'm hard copying it today, man. Listen.
0: Hard copy. Look at this. That's right.
1: You must feel resistant.
0: You must feel pretty prepared. You didn't see all that all the shenanigans I put in there since you printed that out, I guess.
1: Oh gracious me. All right. Well, surprise well, shenanigans we can, incoming.
0: Shenanigans. It feels like a good nickname for Shannon. Shenan- shenanigans. That's you ever, true. You ever worked that into anything? You feel like no, you no,
1: no. I have lots of um nicknames for her though, obviously.
0: Yeah. You can call them shenanigans.
1: I, 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 I the, could.
0: When she gets out the shenanigans or shenanigans. I could.
1: And honestly, most of my nicknames for her are not even related to anything. They're just um, gibberish nonsense.
0: Yeah. Sounds about right. Okay. You ready to just, do
1: this? Yeah, man. Let's, let's, let's roll and rock.
0: All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 51 of the Goulet Pencast, where found pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I am Drew Brown. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential, and extraneous, superfluous, nice, and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going all Q and A, all of it. Only Q and A in this episode. Not, we're not going to answer. We're not going to a all the cues that are possible, but we're just only going to do that. I just felt like I was misleading. I didn't feel like we were going to be like. Because I feel like we could do like a 24-hour blitz and just continually answer questions. But we're not going to do that. Um, Anyway, full disclosure, we're shooting this ahead of time because this is the week that we're taking off. Uh, I'm going to be taking my kids to an art camp. They'll be doing like a little painting camp thing, which is pretty fun because uh, they're out of school now. And that's fun and they can do things during the day. Um, so we're making some family time for that. And uh, Drew is going to be up to who knows what.
1: I'm just um, taking it off because Brian's <laughs> off. And I find myself much less busy when he's not around. So yes. and I always have a hard time taking time off. I always end up with a surplus at the end of the year. So I'm trying not to do that this year. Yeah,
0: he just he just loves the work so much. It's, just, Man, uh, has a it's not work away. when you're having fun. <laughs> That's right. Find a job you love and you'll never work another day in your life. Um, Anyway, so we're recording this on June 7th so that we can have it available to you at the end of June when we're actually taking this time off. Um, We're going to be talking about how writing with your nib affects the tipping over time. We are going to be talking about pens and ink that we felt didn't quite live up to the hype. Uh, Our favorite broad nib pens, our best entry level gold nibs. Uh, If ink will last two years or longer in the bottle. And we have a lightning round of questions where we for sure will not be as concise as we're setting out to be. I will be. We're going to try. I won't. I already typed some notes in there and I was like, just reading this is going to be more than 30 seconds. But anyway, we should have a lot of fun today. Um, We won't have, you know, updates on new stuff or any of that because we just can't predict weeks into the future. So we're going to keep it just timeless we're gonna make this a timeless episode so that uh we can publish it in advance but anyway that's what we got so without further ado drew let's do some q a
1: all righty uh coming to us first is our old friend smallest stitches Hmm. and uh smallest stitches asks a dumb q can you accidentally overpolish a nib by riding with it? That's not a dumb cue, Stitches. Not a it's, dumb cue.
0: You know, he wrote a, dumb, a cue. That's just a, d- a
1: good. That's a good cue. I
0: wrote a dumb cue with a colon! I feel like he's calling one of us a dumb cue. Maybe, <gasps> like maybe it's addressing, like, "Hey, dumb cue."
1: Like a Can quack. Can you?
0: Yeah, dumb quack. Maybe is that what you. Oh know? man! I well, so.
1: I did. I did <laughs> pose as that horse doctor that one time.
0: No, that's true.
1: Like a doctor um, who is also a horse. You know.
0: Oh, of course. I think that was assumed. Yeah. Um, okay. So can you accidentally over polish a nib by writing with it? Uh, I put no, not really because writing with it, you would sort of be undoing the things that traditionally over polishing would do. Like I think of things like baby's bottom and stuff like that. Um, Over polishing, I think is kind of an interesting term because it could, could, you could have a couple different consequences that happen from over polishing, depending on what stage of the nib grinding, nib tuning is getting overdone. Um, you know, basically you end up with varying degrees of problems. Um, and actually one of the best resources for this is, uh, Richard Bender. If you go to his website, um, Richard's nibs, no, richardspens.com. He actually has like his nib you know, tuning guide that he uses when he teaches things at like pen shows and stuff like that. Um, has some great visuals and breakdowns and stuff. I'm not gonna publish them here because it's, it's free to use on his website, but he says not to use it elsewhere. So go check it out on his site, um, but he's got some really good visuals there um, that explain kind of what I'm talking about. So I think traditionally, I think over polishing, you're going to have baby's bottom. You're going to have, you know, especially a lot of like European pen makers or, or European companies, especially on the bigger nibs, mediums and broads and things, they want them to be smooth. So they will, you know, traditionally over polish it, especially at the step, you know, cause when you first grind the nib and, and make it, make the tip of it round, You then need to smooth the inside where the slit has been cut because it's a pretty sharp edge and you're going to catch the paper and it's going to cut really bad. So they polish that inside um, and then you end up with what's called baby's bottom. It basically looks like, well, it looks like a baby's bottom. looks Um, like a butt. Yeah. And if you over polish, especially at that step, then you can end up with ink that isn't flowing all the way down to the paper unless you write with extra pressure. So that's where you'll get skipping. You'll get hard starting. It'll be smooth as heck. But you might have some flow issues. That's probably the most common over-polishing thing that we see, especially new from a factory.
1: But that can't again. be done by writing.
0: No, it. it and in fact, it's actually kind of undone by writing because one of the remedies for that is to essentially like polish away, you know, the the part of the tip that is keeping the ink from making you contact. You, with flat, the you
1: flatten the butt.
0: Yeah. You <laughs> You're flattening the butt of the baby's bottom. Calling
1: it baby's bottom is just a nice way to not just call it like grown man bottom. You know, it's just, oh that it doesn't no. matter what kind of butt it is. A butt's a butt.
0: Uh, uh, technically, I don't know. Butts can be different, Drew. I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> but put that in the quote book. The butts yeah. can, but but butts baby's can be bottom. different. Ba-
1: ba- ba- somebody was like, all right, let's workshop this. What's the least offensive butt? And they're yeah,
0: like, yeah ba- <laughs> baby's baby. butt yeah i feel like yeah. yeah it's the most acceptable butt to talk about in yeah. a pen setting i don't know it's a weird term but there it you is. go i guess everybody's pretty familiar with that it's just general it's, it's what it's
1: yeah it's what's known so that's what we're using
0: especially when you think about like what like what would be in the place where the ink is in that baby's butt anyway don't think about it too deeply this yeah. is the term uh, that's been used that's what eventually
1: will happen it, the, the remedy to that over polishing in that crevice whatever you want to yeah. call it um you 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 flatten out those two lumps and yeah. uh that that helps it usually you flatten it out using some sort of an abrasive you take it to a nib yeah. grinder and they fix it for you that's gen- it's generally not done by just writing a whole lot
0: no but i mean it's i mean it's, eventually the paper yeah. is, paper is like Really, really fine abrasive, a very really weak, very fine abrasive. But it would take so, a long
1: time to correct Baby's Bottom by just writing.
0: I mean, like years, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if it's an actual problem, it's not just like, oh, just write with it for a bit and it'll get better. Like, mm, maybe a little bit, but not really. Yeah. Um, probably what's going to happen is you're going to end up writing with it a lot and spreading your tines and just, it's going to gush ink more and sort of be compensating for it. It's not actually fixing the problem. You're just sort yeah. of making up for it. But um, the other, the, so that's one way that over polishing can you know, kind of happen. Uh, But I think uh, another way to think about maybe it's not over polishing because I wouldn't necessarily say it's, I guess you could interpret it as over polishing. But um, if you are, if you're polishing a nib and you're not moving that nib because essentially the tip of the nib is, has got a ball. If you're talking about a traditional fine, medium, broad, like a traditional nib, not a stub or anything like that, but just a regular nib, it's going to have basically a ball of tipping material on the end It's got a slit cut through it and the ink is traveling down through it. And it's got that little ball. Well, if you are smoothing that nib without changing the angle, without changing the rotation, and all you're doing is smoothing just one big flat spot in the same place, you can actually wear it away and create this like, I mean, Drew referred to the writing pad. That's generally... You know you want there to, it's not a perfect ball like generally you try to shape it so it's a little bit of a of a i don't know how do you explain this to so difficult despite explaining well, you, it by you, words you, but
1: there there's like you know imagine you know you know an orb being a perfect circle mm-hmm. but then maybe maybe there's a part of that orb that's less of a um it has less curvature to it it's still yeah. got curvature yeah but not as an extreme Slightly circle less. maybe you know rather then, you know, it's not, it changes its radius a little bit.
0: Yeah, slightly less. Think about like, you ever have one of those like inflatable, like kind of dummies and you like punch it and it kind of come, goes down and then it kind of pops itself back up and it's usually like weighted yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, it's not or like, like a
1: tear a, a teardrop. Yeah. At the very base of the teardrop, you're yeah. going to have a more extreme curve than up at the top of the teardrop. The top of the teardrop, yeah. teardrop is going to be less extreme. The base of the teardrop is going to be very extreme.
0: Sure. It's all so, curved, you know, except for the yeah. point. Yeah, but basically you want it to be rounded, doesn't have to necessarily be a perfect ball but you don't want it to be a completely flat spot because then if you change your writing angle you know to much of any degree or rotate it in your hand at all you're then not going to be making uh contact with the the inky portion of the tip uh, onto the paper and it's it's going to write kind of scratchy it's going to skip a lot so you want it to be pretty pretty darn round so i would say it's not necessarily over polishing it's it's incorrectly polishing i guess or just over polishing in one spot um and uh you know, that is something that can be done by somebody who's trying to smooth a nib, especially if you're like newer and you just take a sheet of micro mesh or something like that, and, you, and you're just making figure eights all over the place and you're not actually changing the angle of the pen in your hand, you, you need to vary it up a little bit so that you're actually smoothing it into a round kind of a form. Otherwise you're gonna end up smoothing it into a kind of a flat pad. And, that's and not it might write well
1: at that one specific angle but yeah you know it's not going to write well
0: at any other not going to write well for everybody yeah you're gonna have to keep it at that angle that you smoothed it so you try and you try and go around a little bit um that actually can happen naturally just by writing like if you go to vintage you know pen places you know you get vintage pens and you have somebody that like use their vintage pen like crazy for years and years and years you can actually see nibs where there's a pretty darn flat spot if it was the same person using it at the same angle over a long time essentially they've done with that fine paper abrasive uh they've done what a nibmeister would do with say micromesh or something like that so um it can happen uh over time just by using the nib but it takes a really long time with like an actual tipped nib if you have a if you have an untipped nib it'll happen uh maybe a little sooner um you know but if you've got an actual like you know, tipping material, that stuff's pretty tough and it'll, it'll happen. So I would say just by writing with it, no, you really don't have to worry about it that much, maybe over a very long period of time, but you're not accidentally going to, you know, do anything to the shape of that tip, uh, just by writing with it. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The only couple things I'll add is that, uh, one thing that we looked at years and years ago, Brian, do you remember when stone paper was a thing?
0: Ah uh, yes, that Pe- is people, true. People,
1: people, people started asking us about stone paper, and we we're yeah. like, "All right, what? Is, what is the deal with this?" So we got some in to just try it, and uh, it, it it was. It's I don't know a ton about it, but allegedly it's paper made from finely ground, you know, mineral particles and maybe a mix of pulp. Either way, it had some yeah it had some it was, stone in it.
0: So I, I think the, um, the the appeal of the stone paper was that it was sort of like water resistant. Like it felt very smooth, but it was like really durable. And it's... Yeah, um, and
1: it it had a very interesting weight to it too. It did, yeah. Um, But it was
0: basically like a thin sheet of plastic with stone dust on it. Right. So the So the stone dust was absorbent and allowed the ink to still hang on, but the paper was like waterproof and super uh tear resistant and stuff like that so it was a very interesting paper but essentially stone dust it was like writing on micro mesh basically it yeah. would it was like a an abrasive yeah he is, tried it
1: and he yeah. looked at the nib afterwards and guess what I was like, it was flat
0: i was like ooh, this is not great not yeah do not recommend for fountain pens. Right. so there is some
1: paper out there that will do this way faster like brian was saying yeah it with traditional paper yes it would take years and years and years and like that's your pen that you use like Mm -hmm. every day but if you do buy some you know more different paper that has some interesting qualities like stone paper or something else there's probably some papers out there that could make this happen very very fast so we definitely do not recommend anything like stone paper or any weird sort of non-just pulp paper Uh, for use with fountain pens nibs because even iridium even the super hard alloy not iridium but the iridium alloy that's on top of the dipping material even that doesn't stand a chance against this stone stuff so don't mess around with that Mm -hmm. um also there are some nibs uh the only ones that i can think of are the omos gold stub nibs uh if it's an untipped gold nib that can happen very fast as well. We've yeah, seen we've gold seen, is not that durable. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And to this day, we don't understand why they would ever have a non tipped gold nib. It's just this not is like right smart. when
0: they were on the outs. So, yeah, yeah.
1: we did, we did used to sell them and we would get them back. And e- even in a short, a short amount of time, we could see that gold starting to wear away. So, be wary of that. Be careful of that. Generally speaking, gold nibs are tipped. Even the stub nibs. If you have a stub nib on a steel nib, usually tip. No, sorry, usually
0: untipped. untipped,
1: yeah. Uh, That's what I meant to say. Um, Mm -hmm. But a stub nib on gold, usually always tipped. On some rare occasions, like Omas, probably some others out there that I'm just not familiar
0: with. That's the only one that I can think of recently, but there may be some older, like, vintage ones and stuff. I don't know. So there are some exceptions
1: where that, you know, wearing away a nib can be exacerbated with certain conditions. But generally speaking,
0: it takes years. I really haven't heard an issue much with steel stub nibs. I mean, you got a lot of surface area there, so it's not wearing away as much as it would, if, you know, with a traditional like finer, medium tip size. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, theoretically it could wear away, but uh, yeah, it would happen more than, you know, a tip nib would, but hasn't been yeah. as big, much of an issue as you would probably think. Next question. This is from Potterwatch221B. A pen or ink that didn't live up to the hype? Ooh. This is a touchy Ooh. one, Drew. This is Ooh. a touchy one, because we gotta, these, these could be brands that we still deal with, and we don't wanna go <laughs> trashing anything or anybody, but we're gonna try to be honest. Like We didn't wanna be like, oh, okay, we're just gonna say great things about everything all the time. No, we try yeah. to be real, we try to be real. But, yeah, you know. well,
1: I, I would say that, you know, <laughs> I, I believe that any of the ones that I mentioned would probably not be disagreed upon by um, the distributors. So uh, the first one I wanted to mention is the first one I thought of that just popped right in there it would be the stipula pasaporto, the super legeria uh, pasaporto so it is a this was the second coming of the pasaporto hmm. The first version was a transparent acrylic pen. Um, it's a pocket pen that you know you posted into a larger pen. I believe it was eyedropper only or did that one take a standard international?
0: It was eyedropper only. Eyedropper only.
1: Brian had one. It was neat. It was quirky. It was cool. Kind of looked like a lozenge mm-hmm. or a, you know, gel cap or something like that. A little bit, yeah. And it had, it had it a, pretty like a solid big, reputation. It looked, like a big, it
0: looked like a big Mike and Ike. You know, yes, that candy, that's kind of what it looked like. A Mike and I got yeah. a center band, yeah.
1: So when we found out that Stipula was going to bring that back at a more affordable price point, we were like, okay, this is awesome. This is this? There's no other pen like this on the market. Yeah, yeah. we expected there to be some differences because it was not being sold at the same price. We're like, okay, well, you know, maybe it feels a little bit more plasticky, whatever. It's still a super cool pen. And there was that excitement just because Brian had one. We liked it coupled with that the thing just got delayed and delayed and delayed for a, what, what, like
0: over a, a year, a year and a half. I'm close to yeah. two years. So, like. so you know, our
1: wait list kept building, our anticipation kept on building anticipation and, you know, impatience and just like wanting to get this thing online. Yeah. But when it finally got here, it had problems it it uh had writing problems, it had eyedropper problems had leaking problems, um, yeah, it had capping issues, it had a host of issues, it's no longer sold um
0: yeah we we discontinued it pretty quickly, but then they discontinued, yeah it me, manufacturing just manufacturing it all together yeah
1: it just it just fell flat, especially mm. compared to how long it took to to get on the site and how much we wanted it to be good uh it just it just was not, and it was a real shame because I think it could be super cool, but uh, it, it unfortunately had a host of issues that uh, yeah. I think did, were, didn't allow it to reach its potential for sure. I think,
0: I think there were legit issues with it, but I think it was coupled with the fact that number one, the original one that came out was, it did have a fan following, but they were not ever really widely available. So those who had them talked good about them, but then everybody else had FOMO about not being able to get them. And they were like 125 or 150 bucks, the original ones the new ones that came out were like 50 bucks. So I think people wanted them who had the FOMO that didn't actually have the old version and they heard good things and built it up even more. And then when the new ones came and not only were they not the original, but then they were what they were. Yeah, I think everybody got a yeah. big old wet blanket on it. So. That,
1: one, that one fell flat. And then yep. now here's one that didn't necessarily have a lot of hype behind it, but mm-hmm. I think should be a little bit more hype. So I guess it's more of an, uh, like... More like an underrated Watch, Yeah, Watch said pen and ink. So I went ahead and mentioned an ink. Private Reserve makes Infinity inks, which is a separate, you know, kind of a sub line within their main line. And they are really good at not drying out. Even if you have a pen that doesn't seal super well, these inks are really good at staying ready to write. Even if you lay it down on your desk for a little while uncapped, it's still can write. And and these are a great option for if you do have a pen that doesn't hold a ton of ink in the feed or just is, you know, it dries out pretty regularly. I think these inks are awesome. And I use them for that. If I have a pen that I love and that just doesn't hold ink super well or doesn't capture well, I put an infinity ink in there and they write much better. And yet when these came out, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing that, that these do that. And and still they're just not 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 as recognized as a thing and, I, and that's I, I think it's kind of a shame because they do what they say they do this is like it's not just advertising or posturing it it's, it's they work so yeah. uh, that was that was kind of a bummer that they didn't really explode as much as i personally thought they were going to but you know um and then uh there were two that th- these weren't um I don't, I don't know if they didn't live up to the hype, but so you've got the Lamy Ion, Brian, Mm A-I-O-N. Um, this pen was a big pen for Lamy to do because they changed, this was the first nib since the 2000 that wasn't like the plain old Lamy nib. It still fit Lamy pens with those kind of rail and hooks style design. Um, but it was designed by a special designer that they came just to do Mm -hmm. this one nib and pen, um, like Lamy pens don't happen very often and when they do they're yeah. like th- these are going to be around for a long time Yeah they ta- and, they
0: generally take I think 3 years on average to develop a new pen model
1: Yeah and yeah. so you know I think there was some hype around this one just because of the design aspect they really drove home you know I don't even know the name of the designer but uh, at the time they were like talking that up a lot and it just kind of it's it didn't do bad it didn't do great it just kind of was like okay now it's here and then It just kind of plateaued and, you know, it's been fine. But uh, I I definitely don't think it quite lived up to the hype. I thought that just based on how rare Lamy does this sort of thing, um, there was more hype than it it delivered on. There's nothing wrong with it. Not at all. Yeah, it's still a good um, pen. Yeah, it's a good pen.
0: I actually enjoy it. I like that it's a little bit thicker of a pen.
1: It is. It is a very comfortable pen.
0: Yeah. For sure. But yeah, just for whatever reason, it just didn't, didn't really take off i just wasn't yeah. to a lot of people's you know preference or yeah. liking and the studio i think is still a much more popular metal pen that's kind of in that price range yeah yeah you know, and then you got the all-star too which is less expensive it's more of a known thing so i think it you know it was sort of filling a void that wasn't necessarily there for a lot of people so yeah, yeah. i don't know
1: same and then the only the only other one i'll mention you know still getting out of the not playing by the rules here but uh, the uh galen writer's box um there was a ton of hype behind that even though it's not a pen it's not an ink but it what did have a ton of hype and it just it just didn't deliver you know we had problems with the latch and the, the wood, wood. yeah and it's stuff. solid
0: wood and i oh man yeah, i was like so. i really hope this 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 thing works well but it's like being made of solid wood i was like we might see some issues with like yeah warping and mm. fit and stuff like that especially like shipping stuff to different parts of the world like Wood can Different get, climates. Wood can yeah. get pretty messed up. Yeah, and we definitely saw some issues.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure that, I'm sure that Galen has corrected, you know, this issue. Um, you know, but uh, we, when we dealt with it, there was a host of issues that caused it not to be successful mm-hmm. for us. But yeah, yeah other than that, th- those are those are my uh, those are my big ones, Brian.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Did you mention oh, you didn't uh, the platinum mix free that ink? Yeah, uh, I, I
1: I had that on here. Uh, you know, I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how like hyped it was, but we did sell for a long time a set called the platinum mix free ink set. It mm-hmm. came with you know a bunch of bottles of ink, a pipette, some instructions on how to mix colors, some empty vials so you could mix up and just kind of play with it and we thought that was super cool and uh
0: they just didn't move
1: like that yeah. that appeal just was not a mass appeal and man do you it's- remember how long those things chilled in the warehouse it, it, yeah
0: well when we first got them so they, the way you know uh ink mixing is this really interesting falls in this interesting place in the pen world it's definitely for the people really that really like, does they like to experiment right so there's a lot of people that mix ink and stuff like that this is also at a time when you didn't have so many boutique ink companies. and this is for like almost a decade ago so yeah. you didn't have the robert osters and you didn't have you know some of these other boutique Companies Colorverse wasn't around, and, and, and you know,
1: Sailor wasn't doing their thing to the extent that yeah, they're doing it now. You didn't
0: have any of the diamine shimmer tastics. You didn't have mm-hmm. any of the you know ink vent or any of that kind of stuff. So it was a little bit, uh, you know, more conservative just in terms of when inks were coming out. Um, and so you know, I think that the notion was let's come out with a set of inks that everybody can mix up and they came out what was it like nine different colors i think it was oh i and don't remember you could mix them all to varying degrees to get this grid of like 81 different colors or something like that so it was like well that's really interesting but i think it was just like the average pen person it was like 200 some dollars to get and the set initially only sold as a set so it was like a big investment it was so many options for mixing and stuff like that it was just like it it fell in such a small niche that most people were just like "Nah, i'll just buy an ink that's already it a thing yeah so i think it fell into that place and and we've had other ones the panider mixing set and we've had other ones you know you can mix a lot of diatramentus and some stuff like that pretty much every ink mixing thing that we've tried to introduce has like uh, there's a few people that get really excited about it and most people are like, nah, yeah, it's too technical complicated. I'd rather just buy the color that I think is going to work for me and then that's it. Because the problem yeah. is, even if you mix an ink and you really like it, if you're buying a whole set of it, well, then you're going to mix more of that ink and you're going to use up, you know, all of one or two of the colors and then if you can't replace those colors of themselves, then you've got to buy what a whole new set. And, right. You know, so and a then lot you're, of...
1: left, you're left with the yellow and the orange or whatever.
0: Sure. So there was literally nothing wrong with the inks, but I think it was just... You know, it was trying to you know, again fill a need that wasn't necessarily there. Yeah. And I think I think so, I think some of the fun of doing stuff like ink mixing and all that stuff is like you like to experiment and have the freedom to kind of mix whatever you feel like. But when you like put it into an intentional set like that, it feels you know restrictive in that way. So I don't know. <laughs> it's never really never really taken off any of the ink mixing stuff that we've done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say that uh, most of the stuff that we've sold that hasn't done well. Wasn't really that hyped to begin with. So I had to think about this a little bit. Um, And again, none of these are like awful products. There were some like the Passaporto was like really a flop. Um, And this next one that I have was kind of a flop, the Stipula Splash. So they were attempting to do a steel nib flex pen, which it, you know, it sort of did, but it's, it's, you know, the pen body was too close to another, like, I forget if it was like a Jinhao or something like the body of the pen just felt very cheap. Um, the pen in terms of how it actually performed, like it did flex, but it was super hard and it was not a very pleasurable experience and stuff like that. And it just, people just really dogged on that thing. And, uh, it eventually went away as well. So, you know, it's like, I really appreciate when pen companies try and do new things, but if they don't like fully, you know, tick all the boxes of what people are really looking for, it's usually not going to work out so well. Um, so anyway, uh, another one that I have, this one is, I'm little, I was a little torn about including this one, but I think it's fair to kind of put it in here, the, the Platinum Curados. So this is the, um, you know, the click retractable Platinum pen, which I think for what it is, is a good pen for a good price. But I think what everybody ended up doing it was comparing it to the Pilot VP and It's not a pilot VP. It's the Platinum Curidos, you know? And it's not the same price. It's like half the price. But so many people kept talking about it and comparing it to a VP that when it came out, people were like, oh, this thing is feels so much cheaper and it's so much lighter and blah, 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 blah. And it's not a VP. And it's like, yes, it's not a VP. Like that's, no one is saying it's a VP, but I think just making the association of it, people were expecting to get a pilot VP for half the price. And that just, people had a really hard time getting away from that. Couple that with, they did have some legit feed issues, some feed cracking issues, which they did fix. But when you have something like that at the onset that happens, when there's already an expectation that people ran away with, I think that took the wind out of the sails for the curados. Couple that with the fact that it all happened when COVID was starting. And it was all, I mean, literally it was like that March, April timeframe in 2020, when this thing was coming out, there were already a lot of people confused and distracted and stuff like that. Anyway, it just made it kind of a a rough takeoff for the Curie DOS, which you know the pen's still around. I think it's still a good pen and worth considering as long as people understand what it is and what it's not. So I think that it was one got also a bit of an unfair take, but it's you know it stands on its own over time.
1: Yeah, they also had that weird um, last-minute price increase too. That I think yeah, there was like, some miscommunication. It was, it was, it was one price, yeah. and then right before launch, you know there was the solid price that would it would launch with, and I think that that kind of art that set a negative tone you yeah know, i think like I, th-
0: I think it had to do with especially the price in the us i can't remember i'm trying to remember the details of it i think either it was like not going to come with the converter but then they decided to include the converter but they had to raise the price to include the converter or something like that yeah or, it was like they, they
1: are it was already getting that like oh, i don't know is it going to be better than the vp so they're already making that comparison
0: so and that was then, there I don't know if you remember. I can't. Maybe it didn't. I can't remember. I can't remember if at launch it came with a converter or not. I feel like maybe it didn't. But then we had converter shortages too because of COVID and all that stuff. So not only did that pen come out and then had these issues, but then we literally didn't have converters for platinum for some time. Right. I
1: think it always did, but I think the fact they didn't have converters meant that the Curados was not in stock for a good long while.
0: Yeah, I can't remember all the details of it, but basically it was a host of expectations, was. things, stock issues, there all that was a kind lot of, of stuff, issues. and then people online started crapping all over it and then it's hard to dig yourself out of that once that becomes the narrative you know yeah. so um and then the other one that I had was the Lamy Safari USA um, and look it's a fine pen it's still a Lamy Safari but you know it was uh, the Pe- distributor, people know what they did yeah the distributor <laughs> at the time I mean they they basically Franken penned a Lamy yeah. which look you know it's like Lamy they gotta make they gotta make things in some pretty large quantities to be able to sell you know, depends at the price that they do. There's economies of scale, so it's going to be much more economical for them to do regional exclusives and stuff like that if they're taking parts they already have and are rearranging them in a new way. And we did that to a degree with, you know, our exclusive pen. So it's, yeah, it's not, not totally like I'm different. it's not like I'm dogging on that process, but the the sort of misstep that happened around that was that the current the distributor at the time, who's not the distributor anymore, they. Uh, made it a no discounting pen. So it was required to be sold at full MSRP. So there was some hype that came from the distributor at the time. Who did? They came up with the arrangement for this pen and was like, okay, cool. Like, let me you know, say like, okay, it's all for that. But they they were a bit, um, you know, they kind of missed the mark when setting the pricing for it. So when it's the regional exclusive, but it seems like it's a more expensive pen because you're required to sell it at full this price when that's not, usually how it works for safaris, then everybody really kind of dogged it because they were like, it's literally just different parts of a pen and you're charging more for it. Now they did custom packaging and stuff like that. So there were some value adds there, but eh, I think a lot of people were just like, mm, this is not enough of a value add for what you guys are trying to charge for it. So, yeah. you know.
1: And there might not have been like a ton of hype behind it because from the get-go, people knew what it was. Like it was very obviously a friend of yeah, it. was then, more like- But I think the hype comes from the fact that this is not something they ever do. Right. And like, an, a, like a, a regional exclusive like this from Lamy, like, oh my gosh, like that that's amazing. But then right. the, the, the principle was incredible, but the execution was just not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was hype so much as like everybody was like talking about it and leading up to it and stuff like that. But I think it was just like, there's such a reputation for these releases that it's kind of in the, in the the community, like, it's known that, like, it's kind of a big deal if one of these comes out. Yeah. So, you know, I think there was just, like, I don't know if you want to call it hype necessarily, because it's not like it was being promoted everywhere and all that kind of stuff. Well, I
1: don't but think this this particular pen was hyped, but I think, you know, the... the yeah, it's it, more the situation. Just, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's valid.
0: Yeah, and, like, we, we, you know, we are authorized retailers, and we were working with a distributor at the time. I genuinely think they were pretty well intended, but they were a relatively newer distributor at the time a lot of them didn't come from the pen world so they they didn't fully understand you know they came from other you know retail industries and stuff like that like fashion like clothing industries they didn't really understand that like yeah if you're going to charge more than what's been charged for like ever safari for (laughs) a long time like it's not going to be received so well you know even though it's a limited item i guess it was more common in like the fashion world for things to be like that um and we were just like yeah i don't know how that's gonna go and then it kind of went like we thought it might yeah. so I, I don't think anybody was wet, malintended but it just didn't hit the mark so anyway again lami great company not trying to dog anybody look anytime you're trying to do something new trying to launch stuff do interesting things especially with product types that haven't really been done before you know you're taking a risk and you're not always going to nail it and we are guilty of that as anybody all right drew what's the next one
1: next one comes from dennis roy 23 Mm. and dennis roy 23 asks what is your favorite broad nib pen
0: (sighs) oh man this is tough yes Uh, this is tough you know i hate answering questions where i'm asked specifically for the one thing Partly because Absolutely. I just use so many pens. I'm, I'm like, I think, like, I know which ones I really like, but there probably is something that I really like that I'm going to forget and then not mention and be like, oh, dang it. Yeah, I should have said that.
1: No one's going to know, Brian.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love a lot of broad nibs. To me, broad nibs are not that different from each other. You know, like, I like most broad nibs because they're just very forgiving. Um, I think that if you're talking about fines and extra fines... The variety of experience of writing with them is much broader, much much greater, you know, than broad nibs. You know, broad nibs, they're they all kind of fall into a group. They might some might be springier than the others, some might be slightly wetter than others, but they're all going to give you a similar type of experience. Um, But some of the ones that I really stand out to me is the fourteen karat nib that Lamy has, not the Lamy two thousand nib. But the ones that they have, and and again, they don't have a lot of pens with this nib on there. uh, But, you know, the ones that do, they're generally going to be, you know, obviously more up there in price. So they have it on certain, like, special edition studios and other, you know, they've done it on CP1. They've done it on some other ones uh, at random times, like the Emporium and stuff like that. So they're not that easy to come by, but boy, they are fantastic. They're so smooth. Surprisingly springy, given how small those nibs are. And they just, they're gushing wet. Like it's one of the just, mm. it's one of the few nibs that I'll still pick up now after, you know, a long time of using them. And I'm still just like, Ooh, yeah. Like I get like an audible reaction every time I use one of those. So that one's definitely up there for me. I don't know if it's number one, whatever. Um, The Sailor King of Pens broad nib. Uh, Love that. Love that. I specifically have one that's on one of my favorite pens of all time, which is a, a, japan only blue with clear finials that i bought when i was in japan we didn't even sell sailor at the time i was like this pen is so fantastic and that bicolor nib oh it's gorgeous uh but sailor's broad nibs i think are probably some of my favorite just because you know their nibs are not as glassy smooth as, like like lami's are they have a little bit more tooth to them But they are very springy. That nib is just massive, and it's just, like, gleaming in your face as you're writing with it. It's pretty glorious, so I do like that one a lot. Um, And then Pelican also has some pretty fantastic broad nibs. Oh, yeah. Specifically, I like the bigger Pelican pens, but the M600, just something about that broad. It's just it just hits the right frequency or something. I don't know. That's definitely Rachel's favorite nib is that Pelican M600 broad. Um, so, but I guess if I had to pick one, it would probably be that sailor king of pens. Maybe it's just the affinity I have for that specific pen. Uh, but, um, you know, I really like, I guess I like the really, really smooth writing broad nibs, but in terms of you know, actually just practically writing with it, having a little bit of tooth to a broad nib is not the worst thing in the world to me. Cause it kind of grounds you a little bit. Otherwise you feel like you're just slipping all over the place. Um, but that, that, that sailor broad nibs feels, it feels very controlled. You know, does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest appeals of sailor.
0: Yeah. So I think if I had to pick, if I had to pick one, ugh, I'll pick a different one probably every day that you ask me, but that would be the one that I would choose today as we're recording. <laughs>
1: Brian, that might be the most impressive hypothetical where you had to choose a thing you've ever done. Really? I'm, I'm very proud of you. I'm getting
0: better after 51 episodes of this? I am very
1: proud of you. That was really good. <laughs> you, you named Thank a few, you. and, you, and on you. your own, Thank without you. any prompting, you I'm you, learning. You, you, so, you selected one.
0: I'm learning. I'm growing as a person.
1: That is that is <laughs> impressive. I'm, I'll, I owe you some Waffle House after that one, my friend.
0: I'll take it. I'll take All it. All right.
1: Um, my favorite is a Lami 2000 Broad. I uh, I prefer the medium, but, you know, if I had to pick a broad, yeah, let me do the broad. That put thing it is on your bingo gushier.
0: card. <laughs> do what? Put it on your bingo card. Oh, yeah. You Long know, I can't,
1: can't help myself. Um, but I will say I have a gold Yovo uh, double Ooh. broad. Okay. Ooh. And yeah, I know. Oh, I that falls prevent, into like the f- I know friggin'
0: I, f- not even a garden hose. I know. fire hose, I, so, like, I, so
1: I can't say I've ever had a gold Yovo broad, but mm. if the, if the, if the, if the Broad writes just a little bit slimmer than the double broad and is otherwise pretty similar. That one is amazing as the well. The broad is
0: fantastic as well. Yeah. That's, so I I've, I've gotta super, put that falls into like where that kind of the Lami fourteen K is. It's like super yeah. gushy, super wet, super smooth. I
1: love that. It I is, love that.
0: It is pretty great.
1: But the Lami two thousand broad, like that thing is such a gusher. I, I just
0: it's a little. I feel like that's a little stubby too. It is. It, it not, absolutely. It's yeah. No, yeah. Not, like you look not, at
1: that thing. It looks almost like a stub nib. It's like yeah. a, it's like a brick. I would. It back, looks like.
0: I would backpedal. Like I would backpedal a little on what I said before about like most broads are the same. That broad is a different broad.
1: That is a very different. Well, that's the Lamy Two Thousand nib in general. Like those nibs that's overall true. are that's just true. different. They are just shaped differently. In a league of um, their own. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the, the the fine and extra fine are shaped like a brick standing up. And then the medium and broad are shaped like a brick laying on their side like just okay. kind of like okay. a rounded a rounded rectangle on both sides but um so i will still say the Lamy 2000 broad number one gold nib Twisby mm. broad probably number one steel nib i think that, oh, that, okay. that they they do a really good steel broad i'd say
0: yeah yeah fair enough yeah and that's me oh yeah i went all gold on mine i didn't really go with steel i mean honestly the yovo like our not to self plug whatever because it's made by yovo but like anybody's yovo yeah our our goulet broads like i really like them or like mm-hmm. a broad on like an edison which is also yovo like this it's pretty great like as far as broad steel nibs go just that number six size steel broad is just it's a great it's a great writing nib all around so it is yeah good stuff all right moving it along from a donkey dot sanj we have best entry level gold nib question mark exclamation point drew we got some fervor behind this question here yeah confusion uh, and excitement
1: yeah um yeah a donkey is confused and excited about the potential for (laughs) the possibilities what are the possibilities here um this is not this is not a hard question for me because Without sell, a doubt, yeah, a yeah, without a doubt, the E95S best entry level gold nib. It, it's the most, not only is it the most affordable that we sell hmm. at the Bluet Pen Company, but it definitively provides you a very gold nib experience. If you're looking to say, like, oh, you know what, let me go for a gold nib, the E95S is going to give you a different writing experience yeah. than the steel nibs that precede it price wise. So hmm. not only are you going to get, you know, an affordable gold nib but it is actually going to perform differently. Whereas there are gold nibs out there at higher price point that aren't going to perform much differently than steel nibs just because Mm. they're not meant to. They're not meant to be a little bit more bouncy, a little bit more springy. The E95S though, it's a big nib. It's inlaid in a way that you don't see at any price range before it. And it offers a little bit of spring, but not too much that you're going to be like out of control like a Falcon and not know what you're doing. So it's a great starting point. I love it so much. I will not stop talking about how I love it so much because I will absolutely <laughs> die on that E95 Hill. Um, followed by a vanishing point. The vanishing point was one of my first gold nibs. And uh, I got mine an extra fine, which is very, very fine. I would not recommend mm-hmm. that as a first gold nib or entry-level pen. Okay. I would probably stick with a medium. But I, I think that for the size of that nib, which is a tiny nib... It actually is surprisingly bouncy and comfortable. Yeah. The downside to the vanishing point is probably the ink capacity because you've just got a Con 40 in there. Yeah. But uh, you could easily refill a cartridge and be more happy than you would be with a Con 40. But the actual nib and the performance are really comfortable and very consistent. So those two um, in that order, E95S, vanishing point, both pilot, I know, but it is what it
0: is. It's okay. You're a fanboy. You can own it.
1: it's a fandom based on fact man i'm telling you it is those those, they're tried and true
0: yeah i think most people would agree with you in fact there are plenty of people
1: that plenty of people that would say like oh no that's not my thing or they're ugly but i don't think anybody's gonna say like they suck as fountain pens like they don't write well you know that's just yeah you're not gonna go
0: there it's probably more polarizing for the vanishing point just because it's such a unconventional design but no one's gonna say it writes poorly yeah, generally speaking, it's pretty hard to dog on those in terms of how they write. Uh, yeah, Pilot makes some wise. fantastic nibs. Yeah, so
1: from like an entry level gold nib standpoint, aesthetics notwithstanding, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking for that, you know, gold nib performance that's actually going to give you a different experience. If you've only experienced steel nibs, I think either of those two are going to provide you with that, and at under two hundred dollars,
0: it's pretty tough, harder and harder and harder to find these days. Um, so I would agree with you because quite literally, I have it on record of me agreeing with both of those picks because I've done some videos on top entry level gold. Nib what? Pens. I think I've done two different videos and I believe both of those pens are on there. Gonna so have to link that definitely link those check it out. Just, or just type in Goulet, you know, best gold nibs or entry level gold nibs or whatever into the YouTubes and it will be populated in front of your eyes. So check those out. Um, I have some other pens in there too. I would stand behind every single one that I mentioned in there. Though I think one or two has been discontinued. Like I think the the Platinum uh, 5000A was on there. That pen's no longer made.
1: Well, you did uh, on the older one, yeah. But you did a new one. one. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I did a new one. So I kind of refreshed a little bit. Um, So yeah, I would say, I mean, I do like the Lamy 2000. We talk about that a lot. But uh, my first gold nib pen that I personally owned and used was the Pilot Custom 74. You may or may not have heard... Oh, it 's still such a great pen it's such a solid pen. I definitely stand behind that as a top contender in terms especially in terms of its actual writing performance. I understand that it's a demonstrator pen it's you know it's not the kind of style of pen that everybody's gonna love, and that's fine it's got the con seventy so if you're not really prepared for what that converter is it can be a little weird for somebody that doesn't know what they're in for on that but it also takes cartridges and you can use any of the pilot converters on it and that's fine it does have one of the largest incapacities of any converter pen if you use it with the con 70 so you know for those that uh like to dog on it uh you know get over it because it's awesome so uh no it's a it's
1: a it's a a refillable (laughs) cartridge with a button
0: uh, yeah, it's great. You get all the incapacity and more of that cartridge, but you don't have to use a syringe to fill it. it sounds uh, exactly right. Yeah, that's yeah. What, you're, what you're looking at. Um, no, but seriously, uh, I really like that pen. I, it stood the test of time for me. I still pick up that pen and write with it. And I'm like, dang, this is just a great writing pen. Um, my personal one that I first used was the medium, which tends to write a little on the finer side, um, because that's kind of how Pilot does, especially their thinner nibs. Uh, I would say the fine is also a really good pick for somebody kind of new to it. The extra fine, you kind of got to know what you're getting into because it gets so fine. I would not necessarily tout that as the one that I would pick up first, unless you know you really, really like fine nibs. Um, And the broad is a really nice writing broad as well, though sometimes that broad squeaks a little bit. I don't know if you notice that, Drew. It likes to make a little bit of noise. I've actually
1: found that if a nib is going to squeak, broad pilots are tend to be the squeaking. Yeah, ones. it's just
0: weird. I don't know why. I the most I've seen don't know broad, why.
1: broad falcons tend to do that a lot. Yeah,
0: I don't necessarily know what it is, but... Um, Whatever the case, you know, you get that every now and then, but they write really well and smooth. But I find the medium to be the most versatile. Um, you you get a lot of good, um, you get a very smooth experience. You get a little bit of line variation if you write with some pressure. That nib is nice and springy. Um, it's about equivalent size to like a number five size nib. So like a the nib size you'd have on a Twisby 580 um, or something like that. It's not as big um, as you might have on, you know, a pen with a number six nib. That would be more like the custom 823. That's a number six Equivalent, you know, kind of nib. So um, I like it. I think it's it's not as big as some other nibs that you'll get, but in terms of how it writes, it's just it's just great. I love that nib. So I would I would say a medium custom seventy four is a great entry level nib experience because it was mine and I had a wonderful experience and I would go back and do it all again because it was so good. All right, next okay. one. Okay.
1: Yeah. Six by six. Matt is taking us home before we uh. begin our lightning round, and Matt asks. If I have to leave ink bottles untouched for two years, would it be okay upon my return? Let me just say, if uh, Matt, you were being deployed for any reason or something like that, thank you and uh, best of luck to you. Um,
0: is that the situation I, uh, here? I don't know.
1: No, but I, I was just thinking, you know, if uh, someone has to leave for two years uh, and it doesn't and cannot bring their ink bottles with them, I don't know. That is a
0: very specific amount of time. So yeah, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah. Um, I would sure hope so, because goodness knows I have many bottles of ink that I've left for. That was my first <laughs> well thought, over Brian. two years. Yeah. yeah,
1: you you have ink that you oh. have not opened since I've known you. Oh, like I think that's have...
0: going on you know over ten years now. That, Absolutely, you know, I have t- well over two hundred bottles of ink in my personal collection, um, and as to my knowledge, none of them are have changed in any significant fashion. Um, I have some ink that was, you know. Put that I decanted into other bottles 13 years ago that I've used that are still fine. So um, not to say that all pens, all ink's fine and you don't ever have to worry about it. I mean, ink is mostly water. And as we discussed in real time about an hour ago, but in published video time two episodes ago in episode 49, where I talked about how disgusting my kid's kiddie pool gets, when you leave it outside for a couple of days, um, stuff grows in water, especially when there are outside contaminants. So, you know, definitely it's possible for stuff to grow in your ink, but most fountain pen ink companies are putting biocides and they're putting other things in there and it's sealed in a container and it's in a relatively controlled environment. There's not a lot of air exposed to it and stuff like that. So I would say that, you know, if, you, if your ink level is lower, there's more air, you've written with the pen on different types of paper and there's dust and paper fibers and stuff like that. You've been dipping back into that bottle. You've exposed a lot of contaminants. You've left the bottle sitting open for longer periods of time for potential mold spores and dust and whoever knows what else is in the air to perhaps get into your bottle of ink. The more of that stuff that it's been exposed to before you set it aside and it's sitting there for two years, the more potential there is for something weird to happen in that ink. That said, it still doesn't happen often that we hear about people's ink being ruined after a long time. I think the biggest issue you end up with is perhaps um, some you know dehydration happening from the water that evaporates out of it, especially if it's not sealed really well or if it's not stored in like a cool, dry place, you know the dyes that are that are in these inks are not generally very light fast so if you leave the bottle of ink say on a shelf and it's not in a box and there's sunlight or whatever UV light from your room that you're in is hitting that dye for two years, you know, some of those dyes could break down and the color could shift a little bit over time, you know. So you could end up with some of that stuff that's a factor, but I think generally speaking, your ink is going to pretty much be, you know, safe and usable um, unless you have some really extenuating circumstances. I mean, I've got, again, many, many, many bottles of ink I've had sitting there for a long time, and I have yet to have one. And I don't, honestly, I don't like take extreme precautions to, get, to, to do anything special with my ink uh, many of these inks i have well i do store a lot of them in the boxes uh, but not necessarily everything i do have i would some say items. none of
1: them are exposed to direct sunlight for sure
0: not direct sunlight but they're you know they're on a bookshelf in my office and there is sunlight that comes in you know so it's not like i keep it stored completely out of there but it's the kind of thing like the more it's exposed to it the the faster the dyes will break down. So if you leave it sitting on a desk that's right next to a south-facing window, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, and it's getting blasted with light every single day, that's going to break down quicker than I have it in the back of my office, you know, that faces the West, and it rarely gets any direct sunlight. Like that's going to be a better situation. So uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to pen storage. A lot of it comes down to, or sorry, ink storage. A lot of it comes down to how much it's been exposed to the outside elements before you store it. Um, especially if it's a new bottle of ink and you haven't even opened it yet, you'll be fine. That thing will last for a very, very long time. So, yeah, that's what I would say. You just yeah, I agree. Really um,
1: I know that I have. Um a couple of the samples, the ink samples that actually predated my employment. So over eleven years ago. Oh wow. And I can't say that I've used them, but I've I there's no floaty bits in them. They don't look weird and they honestly are not evaporated at all. They still look, you know, a little bit over uh, two mils in there. So there you go. um and those are in sample vials. Those those are not even like actual yeah. ink bottles. So and tightened by hand over eleven years ago. So uh yeah. I echo what Brian says.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, let's put it this way. The writ, the I mean, do, do what's smart and sensible around it, but I wouldn't, you don't need to go like way out of your way to try to do anything. Fantastic. Uh, to try to do it. So yeah, if you're going to be storing it you knew you weren't going to use it for two years, I would put it in a box where there's no light and make sure don't like put it in your attic, you know, put it in a place that's room temperature or slightly cooler Keep it out of direct sunlight. Make sure the caps are sealed and don't worry about it. Just, you know, if
1: you really wanted to, you could put it in like a Ziploc freezer bag or something like that. um, Just to
0: you could if you want a little extra. Yeah. Sealedness. Yeah. If you know you're going to be
1: gone for two years, it's not going to hurt anything.
0: Won't hurt. Won't hurt. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Drew. All right, Brian. That's all our regular questions. Now we got a lightning round, huh? We do. Oh, boy. So what's the goal here? How quickly are we trying to do this? Just so I know when I blow well, past it, based on, on memory card lane. activity,
1: I think that we are we need to do this in less than 27 minutes for sure.
0: Oh, I got 31 minutes, Drew. So I guess you're you're <laughs> mo- moving around a lot more, using up more data on your card than I am.
1: Maybe, I, that's not surprising. So <laughs> I think that 30 second answers just definitely under a minute.
0: Okay, a minute. So, okay, gotcha. let's
1: let's just let's let's make brevity the goal.
0: Fair enough. All right okay well right, yeah, okay. we've
1: got a lightning round ready yeah. to go brian so we've got six questions three for each of us and we are going to try to answer these things in less than 60 seconds apiece now
0: are we both answering these or are because i see like you have your name asking me yes. i have me asking you but we're we are not answering. both
1: answering because we're not both answering these oh okay 100 percent. i mean,
0: i may add my two cents <clears throat> in can we can we heckle each other as we're answering the questions? you heckle acceptable? away man heckle okay. away all right Is there a a time limit on the amount of heckling that we're trying to do? I'm just trying to be clear. Infinite
1: heckling allowed. I'm just trying to be
0: clear on the rules. Okay, good,
1: good, good. No, the more heckling, the better.
0: All right. Well, then let's kick this thing off. We got what six questions, so it's not so bad.
1: Not so. No, no, we can do this. All All right. Boom! Lightning round number one. Let's do it. And this is from Three Summers One on Instagram, and he asks, "What power tool did Brian most recently use?"
0: Okay, um, depends how you define use. Oh, come now. If I was holding it- First
1: question, you're going to do that.
0: If I was holding it in a photograph-
1: No, no, is that considered using it? No, God. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm trolling you as I'm answering my own question. Uh, No, the most recent power tool that I actually used was my TIG welder, because I'm- practicing tig welding aluminum and um, really
1: you haven't even used like a a drill or anything since no
0: i i so no legitimately that was the last power tool that i used because i i did trim some tree branches but i did it with a pole saw by hand there was no power i mean i was the power tool (laughs) (laughs) i am the power tool i feel like there's there's already a t-shirt that exists I'm sure that says that, but yes, I was the power tool, and then I didn't even like—I don't know—it was like getting dark, and I was like, I just want to drag them over to the, my part of the yard. Like, I'm not going to go get the lawnmower or whatever; I'm just going to drag them by hand. So I literally just cut—you know, like you get those branches on the tree. I'm so going past the timeline, care. Yep, you're, you're, you're mowing the lawn, and you just get like branches are hitting you in the face, and you're like, I'm sure just like ticks are everywhere and just dropping all over me. So I went around last night and cut all the low hanging branches that I would normally run into, you know, just because now there's tons of leaves on all the trees and the branches are sagging. So I cut, I cut all those. So it's nice and clear. And then I just dragged them by hand over in the corner of my property. There, uh, did not use a power tool. So yeah, literally TIG welding was the last power tool that I used, which I feel is, that's pretty cool. I feel like that's a, that's a legit power tool to say. I didn't want it to be like, I used a power screwdriver to fix my, I don't know, Kids Are you implying that people who use power
1: screwdrivers talk no, like that, Brian? No, I am personally offended by that. That is how
0: I talk when I'm using a power screwdriver. Oh, okay. So I enough. think that's true to my. You know what? I have heard thing. you do that. I've always wondered. I do. do I do use different voices depending on the tools that I'm using. <laughs> I'm All right, just let's go to the next one. Okay. All right, Drew. Which is smoother? Oh, sorry. This is from Hussein Sobani. Uh, which is smoother, Lami 2000, Lami nib I'm assuming like 14 karat. Uh and uh the pilot gold nib. Pilot a- gold nib. Any of them. Mm, are you sure about that? Yep. You sure about that? Smoother yep. than uh, a, smoother than a broad nib 14 carat Lamy yes. nib. Uh,
1: in my experience, in my experience, like I have had some Lami broads and uh Lamy is just not quite as flawless in their production consistency as Pilot is. Hmm. I have, they, they have a tendency to sometimes be really, really smooth, sometimes eh, a little, little more tooth. Pilot, though, is way consistent on their nibs, way more consistent than Lamy in my experience. I think that it's possible that there is a 14 karat Lamy nib that is smoother than, you know, a, you know, a, a you know, 823 broad, but generally I have found Pilot to be more smooth
0: Fair overall. Enough. Fair enough. All right, um, we're like bingo haven today. We're saying all the all the tropes.
1: Well, I know we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Banana right. is a Hannah asks. Do scented inks <laughs> have handle. clogging capability like shimmers, Brian?
0: Do scented inks have clogging capability?
1: Yeah. Like, do they have like scented particles? Like, that do they are gonna have the, my
0: pen? Do they have the potential? Yeah. Uh, well, like, to let's clog? say it's
1: a. It is are they putting actual? you know, begonias in my scented begonia ink?
0: I would say generally speaking, no. I don't believe, I do not have any facts on this, but I don't believe that it's particulates that are in these inks that are causing it to have scent. Uh, I believe it's some kind of like, I don't know, essential oil or some kind of liquid scented something or other. It's not, it's not going to like, you're not going to see floaty bits in your scented inks that are going to physically block the flow of the ink like it would have the potential to do with a pigmented ink or a shimmering ink or something like that. So nor have I really heard of that being an issue with scented ink specifically. So while I would say, you know, maybe it has a potential, it's definitely not something that I've heard about being an issue with clogging anywhere near what say a shimmering ink would be. So I would say no. It has its potential to smell more, but uh, not much else. All right. Maybe clogging your nose, perhaps, as you're ah. smelling it. Uh, but your, your pen should be fine. Okay. All right. Next one. This is from Dumbledore's Arm. And then it was cut off. Army, probably. I want to say armpit. Dumbledore's armpit. <laughs> um, favorite video game, childhood and adulthood counting.
1: All right. I'm going to do you one better, Dumbledore's Army. Armpit, whatever. Uh, top 15. Mass Effect 2, Final whoa, Fantasy X. Whoa,
0: whoa, top what? 15? Video I've, already games? Got them ready
1: to, I've got them ready to go, man.
0: Who's the one that gets all the crap for not picking I the I just one recently thing? did
1: this. I did this on Instagram. I made a whole list with corresponding okay. pictures and music. So I have the list ready to go. So I'm wow. just going to go through the whole okay. thing. You'll okay. get the number one. I mean, obviously it's number one. Oh,
0: so it's like a countdown? It's a countdown. Game? In oh, order, okay. you catch it. Okay, man. as long because as there is you, a number one.
1: Unlike you, I love hypotheticals. I'm okay. always ready to cast judgment.
0: All right, fine. All
1: right, Mass Effect 2, Final Fantasy X, God of War 2018, Witcher 3, Mega Man X, Final Fantasy Tactics, Assassin's Creed 4, Bioshock Infinite, Mega Man 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, Final Fantasy 7, Uncharted 4, Donkey Kong Country, Chrono Trigger, Number 1, Red Dead Redemption 2. Boom.
0: I don't know what most of those are.
1: Well, that is your loss, sir.
0: It is my loss. I'm just realizing how much I haven't done since I've had children in a business. You have Besides learned, you have probably
1: learned more life skills than I have. I'm you're probably. welding. I'm, I'm wasting my time <laughs> playing video games. I know I'm wearing a Castlevania shirt and didn't mention any e Castlevania. It was, it was number yeah, what's 16.
0: What's up with that? What's up with
1: that? I, 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 just, I haven't, the, the, the games I mentioned, I've replayed more times than I've replayed any Castlevania games.
0: Fair enough. So, yep. All right. Good deal.
1: All right, Brian, quilter Meg is asking you specifically,
0: okay. Brian. Can you eat mangoes?
1: Wondering because of the urushiol. Oh, I can eat some
0: mangoes. Can you? I, love I did not know mangoes, mangoes
1: contained urushiol. For mangoes, those of mangoes. you who don't know, Brian Brian is sensitive to that.
0: Okay, so I had to look at this. Uh, actually, apparently the the skin of the mango. If you if you're eating like just below the skin, can actually like make your lips tingle and stuff like that. some of that's there. Uh, mm. No, so I I did research this a little bit because I've I've sort of heard about this, but I. Obviously, if I had like a reaction to eating mangoes, I would not eat mangoes, but I do eat them uh, pretty regularly.
1: I can eat some mangoes.
0: I can. in fact, fresh mango on like tacos, total game changer. But then again, I like pineapple on pizza. So ah! i just, I love, I love fruit and meat together. It's just a thing. I'm all about it. Like, give it to me. I don't even care. You make fun of me. I don't even care. But yeah, mangoes on tacos. It's the best. Um, so um drew's weird face aside so i did a little research <laughs> apparently mangoes and cashews actually um both of these trees come from the Anacardiaceae family uh-huh. i have no idea if i'm pronouncing that correct um, it. which do have your all um it's my understanding it's not in the fruit uh cashews come it, it's it's on the shell of the fruit which is why you can only buy um shelled cashews and that's often why cashews are roasted you can buy raw cashews but it's it's harder to do that without having them contaminated with the urushi um, but they have had like outbreaks and stuff with that uh, in certain situations in the past. So they, they usually roast them because that actually gets rid of all the oil. Um, so, and little fun facts. Um, but, uh, it's not necessarily the fruit that has it, but it's like the leaves, the stems and the roots. So I've never like cut a fresh mango off the tree and eaten it before. Then I would probably have some issues, but, uh, all the mangoes I've been, have been like store-bought and I would imagine, There's regulations around these types of things because I'm probably not the only person that would have issues if you were buying the fruit and getting poison ivy as a result, you know, or whatever. So I've never had a reaction through the food, only through plant contact. So I will keep eating mangoes until it makes my face explode. So, yeah, love me some mangoes. All right. And last but not least, Thinktos asks... What is the difference between the Pilot E95S and the Pilot Elite 95, Drew? What's the deal?
1: Nothing except for what's printed on the cap. The Elite says Elite, and the E95S has the L-I-T-E removed, so it's just the leftover E from Elite chilling there to represent the E95S, but it doesn't actually say E95S. They're just like, let's just cut off the Elite and put the E there. So why
0: would they do that, Drew? Yes. Why would I don't they know. Do that?
1: I have an I have an elite. Uh, that is the one that I have. Um,
0: oh, really? And, uh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, it's way cooler, just FYI, because it's got the, the 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 E is identical. They literally kept the E and yep. deleted the rest of it. Do you, um, so. do you
0: do you actually know why they? There is a reason why they why they gave it a different name. Do you know
1: uh it was because of some sort of copyright thing there's an elite something they couldn't they I, couldn't use i
0: believe it's parker um yeah. so in in the us and ob- obviously other countries i am no lawyer i am no i only know but so much uh about these types of things but you know in a lot of countries and places like that um this happens a lot with like car companies too they have a lot of cars that are just called different things in different countries a lot of the times it has to do with various trademarks that are already taken up in certain countries, or, you know, perhaps sometimes it's, I mean, this is not the situation with the E95S or the elite. Um, that was, there was a, a trademark conflict in the way that it works in the U S cause we have looked into this a little bit. Um, you register your trademark based on the, based on the class of product. So that's why you can have like Delta pens and Delta airlines. And it's not a problem because you know, you're not selling pens and flying airplanes in the same like you know, whatever space in the, in the market, if you will. Um, so you can have your trademark for different classifications of products. Um, but apparently because there was another pen company that had the, the name Elite, they had, they had to name it something different. So they just shortened it and twisted it and made it weird. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the E95S because they were like, well, that's not going to be a trademark issue because that doesn't make any sense. So here it is. And that's it. That's, the pen itself is the exact same thing though from what I understand. Like yeah. your side.
1: It's weird. You know, I just realized, Brian, I only gave you one fountain pen related question here in the lightning round.
0: <laughs> That's okay. That's all good. It's just
1: about the ink and then power tools, mangoes
0: and we have a lot of videos out there about me talking about pens. I think it's okay to mix it up every now and then. Yep. <laughs> and we didn't have like the the normal what's happening section or anything like that in this one. So I feel like it's okay to mix in some like. Yeah. Well, that's
1: stuff. it. So um, even if what you have, even if you have random nonsensical questions to ask us, still send them in. I'll save them until we yeah. have one of these days, but uh, there you go. we'll, we'll get to it generally. If you either put an uh, a question in an Instagram poll that I put out or send us a question through the email, you know, I, I save them all. So, you know, eventually we'll, we'll probably get to you.
0: Yeah. Give us a few years and we might get to it in episode four. Eventually, every, every now and
1: then I'll ask, you know, uh, you know, hey, what should we talk about in the pen cast? And then some, you know, there's always somebody that says pens. So I'm c- congratulations. We we
0: There you go. Answered. Yeah, we've done it. Nice. Um. Cool. Well, we'll wrap this thing up. So thank you for watching, everybody. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. I feel like this little format here. I mean, basically, it was either this or we don't record one this week. So do you like this better than nothing? Uh, basically, is what I I'm really hope forward. they say
1: yes. I'm going to feel really upset. If I feel they like we're inviting no.
0: we're inviting some trolls to be like, yeah, y'all should.
1: I'd rather you do nothing. I'd rather
0: sit quietly and stare at my blank computer screen for an hour and nine minutes then listen to you guys talk about it. I'm just kidding. No, if you're here, if you're listening to this part of it still, you're, you're a fan, sorry. You uh, can't deny it. Um, and definitely check out googlypens.com for fountain pen ink, paper needs, all that. That's how we fund this whole thing because we don't get paid on YouTube, that's for sure. Um, you can email us at pencast at if you have more questions and other things like Drew mentioned. And I have a random fun fact that has nothing to do with tens, but it does have some math that I think is pretty cool so it's on brain oh no it's cool drew it's cool trust me well actually you You might not like it
1: math and cool in the same math
0: oh yeah it's cool okay so every time that you shuffle a deck of cards you get a combination that has never existed before did you know that there are 52 unique cards in a deck so the odds of any given deck combination is 52 factorial which is 52 times 51 times 49, you know, it's 50 times 49, et cetera, all the way down to one. So if you do that math, it works out to eight times 10 to the 67th or an eight with 67 zeros after it. That's how many different combinations there are in a 52 card deck. That's enough that if every person on earth were to shuffle a deck of cards every second for the age of the universe there will be one in a trillion, trillion, trillion chance of two decks matching. What? It's basically impossible. It's a huge number. Yeah. Isn't that rad? That is
1: surprising.
0: Yeah. So think about it. Every time you shuffle a deck of cards, you are holding complete uniqueness in your hand. And humanity Whoa. will never see that deck of cards ever again. Wow see that's cool math isn't that cool cool math math? okay that's cool math there you go share that share that fun fact with your friends dropping knowledge bombs here at the end of the pencast thank you all so much for watching we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled pencast hope you enjoyed this one y'all take it easy thanks so much for watching and right on